it was it was pretty neat on our layover coming back from North Africa we got to stop in Paris and go to 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 a to a museum and it's a blessing to be moved by a painting but if you were there with me I want to be able to tell you why I was moved but it'd be really important that it would be moving to you too and Lord willing, by God's grace, his spirit working in our hearts, as we look at this doctrine, and I think that, I mean, we're going to use our minds. You're going to find reasons why this should move you. Now, you're going to know it should move you. You're going to know that you should probably be jumping up and down um, because it's so good, or at least joy. But it's going to take God's spirit, right? It's going to take God's spirit as I'm, in a sense, I mean, not in a sense, I am just a person, and you're just people. Right? And we're going to something that is not worth millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, but everything worth the precious blood of a Christ. So I think that if, if you're praying, there's something to be praying, that you be impacted by just how beautiful it is as we're just people talking to people with the preciousness of God's word. So let's go, we'll talk about, uh, um, so just a quick review, we've been talking about this series has been uh, Union with Christ, and so we've been talking about all the blessings of being in Christ, and, uh, and last time we focused on our justification, that how we are legally declared righteous, that, um, and with that, it's, it's not just that you haven't broken any laws, but that you've obeyed all the laws, Right. Um, so, sometimes we can focus on the declaration of being declared righteous, of being justified, so much on okay, all the sins are 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 forgiven. Well, that's not real obedience, right? I mean, we're we're not just kind of like sitting there. Okay, I'm I'm just going to try not to break any laws, and that's what God requires of me. No, He requires full full obedience, a hundred percent obedience to all of His commands. Commands like loving Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And you're like, whoa, like I've fallen horribly. Well, yes, it's not just forgiveness; it is also uh, Christ's righteousness imputed to us that we have His righteousness. So we talked about terms like like justify, righteous, Im- 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 impute as you. You have gone over your notes. Does anyone have any questions about our justification discussion last week? By discussion, I mean monologue. Let's just be honest. We're going to try to actually get into a little discussion this week. We'll see. We'll see. It's a high standard. Okay, well, um, it's neat that we are following justification with, with reconciliation um, because Paul does. In Romans 5.1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a link between justification and reconciliation. We have been justified, therefore we have peace with God. So that's what reconciliation is about. It's about our peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I just wanted to show one verse that kind of links these ideas to, 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 together, being in him with reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19, I'll be in 2 Corinthians 5 a lot, uh, says that that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of, of reconciliation. Our recon, being reconciled to God is inseparable from uh, Christ's work on the cross and ultimately our being in Christ. 
And uh, really, as we start even thinking about being in Christ, the fact that we have peace with God is super clear. We are in him. Uh, God is not at war with his son, and he is not at war with those who are in Christ. As we talk through this, we're going to start with, 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 with what our need for reconciliation is. I put these notes on the table outside and then table out front. But I also have some copies here. If you need one, you can go to any of those three places or raise your hand. Oh, look at that. Okay. Well, I guess you have to come up and get some. Then, yeah. Come on out. Oh, well, okay. There you go. Thanks. There you go. There, so. Oh, yeah. I need one of those. Thanks. Okay. So I, uh, yeah. Um, and then there's more at those other places. They typically will be there. So go ahead and grab them on the way in, although if you're here early for worship, it makes it a little tricky, so. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I just wanted to, to uh, uh, read a, a good quote here from Westminster Longer Catechism. A catechism is a way to learn, and this is uh, a way to learn, and the question is, what misery did the fall bring upon mankind? And the answer to this uh, shows a lot of our problem and why we need to be reconciled with God. And so that quote is there for you. What misery did the fall bring among, upon mankind? The fall brought upon mankind the loss of communion with God his displeasure and curse. So as we are by nature children of wrath, bond slaves to Satan, and justly liable to all punishments in this world and that which is to come. That's pretty wild. Justly liable. So that's a good little picture there of uh, the bad situation we are in because of the fall and our need to be reconciled to God. We have lost communion with God. We've lost fellowship with God. We have his displeasure. We are under curse. We are by nature children of wrath. Now, it's not a surprise to you that, that uh, our uh, war with God and God's war against sinners began uh, at the fall. And we see that with evidence of the break of that relationship with God with Adam and Eve hiding from God in, in, in uh, the garden. One of the words we use when we think about our need for reconciliation is our alienation from God, that we are separated from God. And we see that in Genesis 3.8. Uh, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is after they sinned and disobeyed God. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see how their knowledge of God is obviously ruined as, as, as well. They think they can hide, but they are hiding from God. And so that right there shows uh, how, how, how bad the fall was. They didn't want to find God, and we don't want to find God by, by, by nature either. They would have perpetually hidden by God from God and all of their descendants if they could. If they had a cave, they would have gone into that cave and never come out if they thought that that could have kept them from God. And that is what we as humans have all done. Not one of us would have ever gone and said, please restore me to God. Please reconcile me to God. I really long for communion with God. Uh, that would have been said by no human ever. Um, we see that that, that uh, um, the, 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 the alienation there between man and God. We also see it between God and man as God kicks man out of his garden. Now, there, there's grace in this, and we see in Genesis 3, verses 22 to 24, 
the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and, 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 and live forever, forever separated from God. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, there's a protection of man from this lest he, he, uh, Adam take of that and he be forever cursed. Um, but, or at least that is my uh, understanding of it, but uh, um, it's also outside of God's presence. And we're going to talk later that, uh, well, and so let me look at one more verse, Isaiah 59 too. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. So that is not so much the, 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 the hostility we're going to talk about, but it does show the consequences of sin hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Um, so really, the story of the Bible is a story of man distanced from God, right? A man separated from God, a man alienated from God. And that is, becomes really obvious when you think about how much God does to bring man to himself. So when you think of, of, about God created man to live in the Garden of Eden in close relationship with him, and then God um, brings the tabernacle and brings the temple ultimately brings Christ so that we can have that relationship with God. But even as you think about that, the, 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 the tabernacle and the temple, it's about bringing man back to God, but we see even as he brings back to God that there's that separation from God. So as, as there's a, a, a tent, um, as there's a fence around the tabernacle, and then there's the holy place, and then the most holy place, we see a layers of separation so that even as God brings man to himself to have relationship with him, we still see that man is separated from God. That's not the end of the story, though. 1 Peter 3.18 talks about how Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Now in Christ, there is no separation, and there will be no separation for eternity, right? But a lot of the Bible really is that a, a, a picture of man separated from God, at least until we get to Christ when, when that problem of separation is solved. So we could think about our, our need uh, for, for, for reconciliation in a couple ways. There's man's, uh, 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 his enmity against God, his hostility, his war against God. Colossians 1.21 uh, describes sinners, you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Colossians 1.21, alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. We were hostile, we were hating God. We were estranged from God. Um, it is interesting, in the garden, when Adam uh, um, sinned against God, 1 Timothy 2.14 says that Adam was not deceived like Eve was. Adam knew what he was doing, right? Adam was choosing hostility toward God. He was choosing enmity. He was choosing war. He was following Satan in war against God. And that is how humanities continued. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 does a lot to, to, to describe this hostility, our need for reconciliation. It says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath, deserving wrath, liable to wrath. Um, we were born citizens, so sort so of think, of a rebellious country, but we actively took part in that rebellion. We actually loved rebellion. We wanted, we were signing up to join, to be part of the army that was part of that rebellious country. We were all in in our rebellion against God. It is what we wanted. That was our enmity. And that, if you are not right with God, that is the enmity that is still yours now. You are still in that uh, position against God. In Romans 8, 7, we'll uh, skip there. Our, our uh, mind before submitting to God, and when we think apart from God, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit uh, to, 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 to God's law. So hopefully this is showing that there is a clear case for us to need to be reconciled to God. There's not really uh, the good news, the enjoyment of reconciliation, the joy of reconciliation until we kind of simmer a little bit, until we steep it a little bit into how, uh, how bad the bad news is. Romans 5.10 says, well, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So that's the good news, but there was that point that we were enemies. And uh, commentators have gone back and forth. Well, is this talking about our enmity against God or, 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 or God's enmity against us? And a couple of the best commentators, Moo and Schreiner, uh, kind of say, well, both. Um, yes, that God, we are hostile to God, but God is also hostile toward us. Now, we were children of wrath. Now, that's not always if, if we are in Christ, if we have been chosen in him before the foundation world. It's not the com, com, fullness of that story. Um, but we were children of wrath, really. If there was a point in your life, if you were to die before Christ, you would have gone to hell. Right, That enmity against you would have continued for eternity. So God is hostile towards sinners. So there we see that God's hostility toward human beings as well as human beings' hostility to God. And that's kind of our next subpoint there under the need for, 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 for reconciliation. It's God's hostility towards sinful humanity. So we were in enmity against God, hostile to God, at war with God, but he was also hostile towards his, uh, us. Now, his hostility, his anger is a righteous anger. It is, uh, it's, not, it's not a malicious anger. It's not a villainous anger. It doesn't have malice in it. I can't wait to do them evil, right? That is not in God's heart. It is a holy hostility. It's a righteous aversion. But the Bible does talk about God hating sinners even. In Psalm 5.5, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Now, evildoers doesn't mean, well, I sinned this morning. I'm an evildoer. Uh, you were, though, before you were saved. 
And that is the character of every person who has not yet been reconciled to God. The pattern of their life is evil doing. They are a worker of iniquity. If judgment comes, they are separated forever from him. Um, that idea of, of hating again, it's not like, ooh, just I, I despise you. Um, but you, they are incompatible with his righteous and holy nature. He rejects them, them, them completely. And it is an emotional word too, right? Uh, it is hostility. It is a, it's righteous though. So it's not like our petty vengeance, um, or, or Psalm 11.5 says, The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. But really, I don't think we have to go many verses that we've already talked about being children of wrath, right? Wrath is a real thing. Um, wrath is God's uh, hot displeasure towards sin poured out for all eternity, right? So we don't really have to question, was I God's enemy? Not just was I an enemy of God, but was I God's enemy, and the answer is, yes, he, he was an enemy to me. But that's not the end of the story, right? He had a plan to bring us to God. So as much as the Bible emphasizes our separation from God, that is not all of the story, because he also had a plan to bring us to God. Excuse me. So let's talk about what this hope of reconciliation is. What is reconciliation? And it's a word you know. It's an establishment of, of, of a broken relationship. It's moving a relationship <clears throat> from hostility to peace, from enemies to friendship. Here, here's a quote by uh, John Murray. Uh, reconciliation places in the focus of our attention our alienation from God, and the divine method of restoring us to his favor. And that's a great word, favor. Uh, reconciliation is being brought back into God's favor, from disfavor to, 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 to favor, from enmity to friendship. So how can this alienation and hostility end? Well, where does it begin? Where, where does reconciliation begin? And reconciliation begins in the eternal heart of God. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3-5 doesn't specifically talk about, uh, about reconciliation, um, but we see what's going on in God's heart here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And that choosing us in him before the foundation of the world, uh, that choosing in him is really choosing to reconcile us to himself, right? Uh, for, for, for us to be chosen, it is us to be reconciled. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. How are we going to be holy and blameless before him? Everything in us demands that we be cast out of his presence. How are we going to be eternally before him? In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. So we see that it was in God's forever heart, his eternal heart, um, to bring sinners into his presence. And that's good news. If you're like, I am a sinner, there's good news for you. Right? The answer is not to say, I am a sinner, so I'm going to go pout in the corner. I'm just going to embrace a life of sin. There's good news if you're a sinner, um, because God has a plan for sinners to be reconciled to himself. Now, 
to, 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 to uh, emphasize how reconciliation is God's work, uh, the, there's a, a couple key passages on reconciliation. One is Romans 5, 5, 8 through 10. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And we'll be probably flipping back and forth between Romans 5, 8, and 10 and, and, and 2 Corinthians 5. Um, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans 5, 8 through 10. And again, this just shows... Um, that reconciliation begins with God. It begins with God's heart. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I know there's not specifically reconciliation in that verse. Um, but uh, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We were enemies um, now, uh, and like that is the verse that I, I was saying. It's difficult to be at to, to be certain. Is that our being an enemy of God? Is that God being an enemy of us? Some commentators say it's both. Right? We were in a relationship of hostility with God, um, but yet God showed His love. So that is incredible um, that God showed His love to take us out of hostility and reconcile us by the death of of, of His Son. So this work of reconciliation is in God's heart. It's out of love. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. You can go ahead and flip a couple books over there. Some beautiful verses. So sweet. All this is from God. It's not from us. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Yeah, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We'll talk more about that later. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Again, in verse 20, God making his appeal through us. We see that is God doing it from God, reconciling the world to himself, reconciled us to himself, making his appeal through us, right? So this is God's heart for it is God's heart for sinners. He is the sole author of reconciliation, right? Uh, it is not two parties coming together and say, hey, we should try to end this millennia-long hostility, and let's see if we can work out a peace agreement of some kind, and what are you willing to give up, and here's what I'm willing to, 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 to give up. Oh, you've got a high standard of righteousness. Well, if you could bring that down a little bit, I think I can try to be a little bit more of a moral person. Um, that's really, I think, what a lot of the world thinks about, about reconciliation, Man doesn't want anything to do with being reconciled to God. He would never imagine reconciliation. He, he wouldn't have been able to devise a plan in his own thinking that would have satisfied God. If you think about it, um, all of humanity's worship is uh, um, like, like man-designed like man false worship. It's an attempt to get a God, well, I won't say all of it, but a lot of it, an attempt to get a God to not be angry with them by bringing an offering that they decide is going to satisfy that God, right? So, so, so it's like, okay, I know, 
I know there's something wrongish with me. I can't control the weather. I can't, I can't create my own offspring. I'm going to need some help here. Things aren't going the way that I want. So I'm going to try to satisfy God. I'm going to try to please, but it's not going to be the God of the Bible. It's going to be God of my imagination who I can bring X, Y, and Z to. So I'll bring some money to, or I'll pray some prayers. I'll give some alms. But so, so it's weird. It's, it's, it's a kind of reconciliation, kind of. But it's a God of your own imagination to whom you bring a sacrifice of, of your own choosing. You're the one in control doing that. Man in his own has no desire to surrender to God. And he doesn't like the fact that he has absolutely nothing he can bring to satisfy the judgment he deserves. So he makes up a fake God who will be satisfied with a fake sacrifice. And, uh, and we have to be careful that we don't do that when we think about, um, I'm just rambling here, and when we think about worship, right? Are we worshiping the one true God who will only be satisfied with Christ, or have we turned, kind of traded in the one true God for a God of our own imagination who would be satisfied if we have a quiet time? If we have a quiet time and stay away from major sins, I'm going to enjoy this day. I might receive some blessing from God, right? Even in our Christian lives, we are guilty of that same kind of thing, of thinking that we can lower God's standard and kind of bring him a sacrifice of our own choosing, and we fall back into a, a, a kind of works righteousness. That's, that's missing reconciliation. That's, that's, that's forgetting what God ha, has really done. So, God is the sole author of reconciliation. Humans would never imagine it, but it was in the mind of God. And it pleased God to reconcile sinners to himself. It was good to God. He wasn't obligated. Um, And think about this. He made no movement ever to reconcile fallen angels to himself. Right? He didn't have to reconcile fallen humans to himself. But that was his eternal plan. That's part of the beauty of our being in him before the foundation of the world. It was always in his heart to reconcile sinners to himself. Um, so God, um, God is always... So if we think about, this, uh, about the story of the Bible, I was, I was talking about how it is about uh, humanity separated from God and how God overcomes that, 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 that separation. But it's neat to think about how in the Old Testament, God is always having a heart of, of, of reconciliation. If you think about it, um, the tabernacle and the temple really are offers of reconciliation. Now, we may not like to think of it that way because we think about all the uh, ritual and the separation there and the, you know, and the uh, priest, and it's very different. But really, this is God's generosity of heart. This is God's love for sinners saying, you can be reconciled to me. I want you to come and worship me. I want you to have relationship with me. That is the kind of God that I am. You're going to have to come my way though. But that was in God's heart. The, 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 the tabernacle, the temple, their offers of reconciliation to those who had come to God 
believing he was as he described himself and who would come to him as he required. And isn't that, so, so I don't know that I would say, but maybe I would, I have to think about it. I've been thinking about it just a little bit. But like, was, was the offer of worship at the tabernacle gospel? I don't know, I, I'm looking at Pastor Joshua because I don't know if I would say it or not. Maybe, right? Um, it's God as he is saying, you come to me my way and I will receive you. Right? That is God's heart. The only way you would do that is you would have to believe that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That passage, Pastor Joshua is going to talk about the Bible reading project on Thursday morning. That's an awesome passage. You should be there. I'm not saying you should be there like I'm going to morally say that. I'm just saying that it would be good for your soul to be there if you can. Um, so no pressure if you can't. Um, but that's in God's heart. That's in God's heart. So if we believe that he's that kind of God, and then we're willing to go to him the way that he says, and isn't that really the gospel? God's saying, I want to be reconciled to sinners. Will you come through my son? It's, 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 it's beautiful. Uh, we see that reconciliation, as we think about that, has always been inseparable from sacrifice, right? Reconciliation, uh, whether that, that happens at the temple, at the tabernacle, or ultimately and finally at the cross, it was never, uh, it was never able to be separated from sacrifice. Um, yeah, the gospel is about about reconciliation. Listen to Acts 10.36. As for the word that he sent to, 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 to Israel, talking about the gospel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, right? The gospel is a good news of peace. You can be reconciled with God. And we're going to see even that you're commanded to be reconciled to God. God has done all the work for you to be reconciled to him, all you need to do is put your hope in Jesus Christ. Get to the cross and you are reconciled. Um, okay, so that's a little bit about the uh, hope of, of a reconciliation. And now let's look at the how of, of, of a reconciliation on the back side of your notes there. The how of reconciliation. Here's a quote by Michael Barrett. In reconciliation, so this is kind of like a definition here, God restores the justified sinner, so it's impossible without justification. Wrath has to be satisfied. Our sin has to be put onto Christ. Christ's righteousness has to be put on us. God restores the justified sinner to a place of peace, fellowship, and communion by means of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful sentence. Reconciliation, God restores the justified sinner to a place of peace, fellowship, and communion by means of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So as we think about how God does reconciliation, and, 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 and I don't want to spend too much time on this uh, point because we've already talked about it was in God's heart. He's the author of, of reconciliation, but he is the source uh, of, uh, of reconciliation, that God is the one who reconciles. So we don't, really, we don't reconcile ourselves to God. God is the one who reconciles. 
right? It's not like, like, like we sue for peace with him. Um, we bring him something that would make our relationship right with him. God reconciles us to himself. So you could say he is the, 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 the subject of, of reconciliation. If you like grammar, he's the subject. He's the one doing it, right? He reconciles, not we reconcile. When it says be reconciled to God, that's that's passive, right? Um, now, I know if you really like grammar, you like passive verbs and active verbs and stuff. He, he's not saying reconcile yourself to God. He's saying be reconciled to God. And that's because he is the one who, who, who does the work. Um, reconciliation, and here's another quote by um, Michael Barrett. God's receiving someone into favor who was once in disfavor and establishing a friendship and fellowship. That's beautiful, right? Receiving someone into favor and that favor is never going to end. That's eternal favor in Christ, in him, eternal favor, who was once in disfavor and establishing friendship and, 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 and fellowship. Um, we've already looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 19. I think your Bibles might, might, might still be open there. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. God is the doer of, 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 of reconciliation. Um, Colossians 1.22 says, He has now reconciled. God does the reconciliation. God deals with his hostility toward you so that you can be reconciled to him. Now, ultimately, he's going to deal with your hostility to him too, but he has to deal first with his hostility toward you so that you can be reconciled to to, to him. Now, we've talked about... um, God being the source, that he's the subject of, of reconciliation. Christ's death is the means of, of, of reconciliation. It is through Jesus' death. Reconciliation is not uh, just about kind of God tweaking you so that you like him. He's, he's not just going to rewire you. Well, he does every generation, and that's why we would even want, want reconciliation with God. Um, um, but Reconciliation is not just about him kind of changing you. So like, ah, oh, you know, I used to feel so much aggression toward God, but I really don't anymore. I must be reconciled. Um, um, it, reconciliation is not just about a change in your heart. It is through the means of Christ's cross. Um, the the, the uh, systematic the, the, the theology bit, Biblical doctrine says, man does not affect this reconciliation by doing something to remove God's hostility toward his sin. This is nothing we do. Sometimes we will fall back into thinking that we can do that if we're, if we're a good enough person, have enough quiet times, all those kinds of things. And that's where all the world's religions, most of them are trapped in, trying to remove reconciliation by doing, trying to accomplish reconciliation by doing something. Um, but it's not about what we do. It's about what Christ did. So I uh, talked about this uh, 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 earlier, that reconciliation requires justification. Romans 5, 1 again. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with, 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 with God. Until we are justified, right? We are still enemies, we still deserve a death sentence. We still have the certainty of eternal judgment hanging over our, our heads. We're the object of wrath, right? Um, so it's not until we are justified, until we are declared righteous, that we can be reconciled. Now, um, if you have your... So I'm, 
I've got several passages here. You, you could turn to uh, Colossians 1, 22 to 22. I don't know that I need to go through all of these now. You could go through them later. It's just very clear as we look at these passages um, that reconciliation is through Jesus' death. Okay? Um, Colossians 1.20, it says, Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on, uh, 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 on earth or in heaven. That's not talking about every soul uh, who, who, is, who is in hell or fallen angels, but how all of creation has, has been broken by the fall. This says, making peace by the blood of his cross. So where does peace come from? By the blood of his cross. Again, in verse 22, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, right? It is only in Jesus's um, death for us that we can be reconciled. I'll just kind of go quickly through a couple phrases here. Um, Romans 5, 8 talks about Christ dying for us. Romans 5, 9, by his blood. Um, that we, as by his blood, were saved from the wrath of God. And Romans 5.10, by the death of his son. Isaiah 53.5, if we want to, to go Old Testament here. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Right? Peace with God is through Christ being chastised in our place. So our punishment needed to be satisfied before we could be reconciled. God couldn't say, you know, I'll just pass over all that. We'll just let bygones be, 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 be bygones and we're good. Right? Reconciliation is only possible uh, through Christ taking our punishment. If we don't want Christ to take our punishment, if we want to make up for our own sins, we will never be reconciled to God. Um, yeah, so the death of Christ removes the grounds of God's anger towards sinners. So this is really important because it's the, the, the means is Christ's death. It's reconciliation is grounded not in our feelings, but in fact, right? The work of reconciliation is completed, right? The work of reconciliation was completed at the cross of Christ. Reconciliation is focused, and Barrett says here, on the objective historic event of the cross where Christ died. Reconciliation is something that we receive from God. It is, it's, it's true. It is fact. It's not something we feel from God. At times, you may not feel reconciled, right? You're going to have to really probably, this is, not probably, this is definitely part of what we need to do when we preach the gospel to ourselves daily. We need to be believing the fact, right? Because we don't feel reconciliation. We receive reconciliation, as Romans 5.11 says. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In Christ, that is a done deal. It is finished. There's a couple uh, quotes here, that, I th and I wanted to include them so you can meditate on them. I think they're beautiful. Uh, the, the first is by Michael Barrett. There is nothing we can add. The finished work of Jesus Christ broke down every barrier between God and sinners and achieved a peace at infinite cost. To gain access, sinners must receive by faith what God has already done in Christ. There's no need to worry whether we have done enough to satisfy and appease God. 
All we have to do to enjoy peace and experience divine love is get to the cross. Now, I like that. All right. All we have to do to enjoy peace and experience divine love is get to the cross. Right. Um, we make a beeline to the cross. We run to the cross. If we're afraid of of judgment, we run and throw ourselves upon Jesus Christ. God is always satisfied with His Son and with those who come to Him in and through His Son. Always satisfied. Uh, we will not go from satisfied to not satisfied. We're not on a teeter-totter or seesaw of satisfaction, kind of in one day and out the next. Um, we have been reconciled to God. Um, if you know this well, you know that you need this daily, right? If you don't know this well, you probably don't know you need it daily. So the more this is what you meditate on daily, the more you know this well. Um, again, from, from biblical doctrine. The mutual peace accomplished by the act of reconciliation is experienced as the result of reconciliation. Okay, so it's the result. Okay, let's go. The mutual peace between us and God accomplished by the act of reconciliation is experienced as the result of reconciliation. So, so it's the act of reconciliation when Christ died on, on, on the cross, but it's experienced as the result of reconciliation. We have to experience it. When, does this, when do we get to enjoy this, right? It was done at the cross. When do we get to enjoy this reconciliation? When the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit overcomes man's hostility to God as the Spirit applies Christ's objective work to sinners, granting them the justifying faith by which they have peace with God. When God overcomes our hostility, he opens up our eyes, he peels back our old eyes, he does the eye surgery, he gives us new eyes, a new heart, and we love the idea of being reconciled to God, and we put our faith on Jesus Christ. We put our hope uh, uh, in him, and then we get to enjoy for eternity reconciliation. That's good news for you, saint. If you are reconciled, you will never not be reconciled with God. That doesn't mean we don't have to deal with our disobedience to him when we uh, displease our father, right? But that is not him ever being hostile towards us like he was, uh, like, like he was before the uh, fall. So I want to do a little brainstorming with you in the time that we have left about what are some of the results of, just, uh, of, of reconciliation and what our response to reconciliation should uh, be. But... Um, um, so if there's someone on the mic, if they could get one for us, and maybe if uh, one of our youngish people would be willing to run around with it. Um, but are there any questions about reconciliation? Okay. Okay. And uh, I see... St st Stephanie's getting a mic ready. Okay, so, so let's talk about and just kind of meditate together. If, if, uh, if this is what reconciliation is, um, what are some of the benefits you can think of or, or, what, is, or what is the blessing, the result uh, of, of reconciliation? It doesn't have to be something we didn't say. It may just be bringing back. This is what reconciliation has done. This is the blessing of what reconciliation is. And uh, um, just raise a hand if you know one.
what is one of the results of, the, of being reconciled with God? Yes, Pastor Joshua. Thanks, John. If uh, God is for us, who can be against us? Wow, great. Yeah, if God is for us, who can be against us? That is a beautiful uh, result of reconciliation. That's what reconciliation is, favor, right? He is for us. Beautiful. Is there another one? Yeah, Sarah. He hears our prayers. Okay, great, right? Yeah, so we have a real relationship with him. He hears our prayers. Great. Did I see? Oh, good. Josh, got another? It can help us uh, when we have questions, like um, maybe we're sick or life is hard and we're thinking, does this mean God's against me? Well, we can go back to reconciliation and be like, well, one thing I know is that it doesn't mean that. Yeah, can't my circumstances don't mean that God's against me because I'm reconciled. Right. Wow. Like and and uh, and that uh, reminds us of a Hebrews twelve. Right. We we can interpret some of the things that happen to us, but it's a fatherly training us. Yeah. Great boy. That's beautiful. Ed. He helps us with contentment. Uh, he satisfies us. Hmm. Yeah, good. Okay, great. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if we have him, right? If our if we have him, what else could we want ultimately, right? Yeah. Did yeah. you want to add to that, Ed? Yeah, we are we are so satisfied in him. Mhm. Well. Yeah, great. Thank you. I saw Brian's hand. Relief. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, uh, like, do you want to add to that? Because I don't doubt you, but... Uh, <laughs> well, and I did say it could be a one-word wait, answer. So. When you are a sinner and you just have a compounding amount of guilt and feeling like you can't do anything right, and then you reconcile with God, there's just a feeling of relief. The yoke is light, and mm-hmm. we can follow Christ in that. Yeah, yeah, great. And uh, for those of us who are prone to ongoing bouts of guilt and self-focus, that is a comfort all the time, right? Yeah, great. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Most was able to think of something else. Uh, we get to be a part of other people being reconciled. Mm, wow, yes, right? Yeah, he, 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 he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is incredible, right? Um, um, I know that, that uh, uh, God's uh, sovereignty is over who gets saved, but if you think about your relationship with your coworkers and your neighbors and your children as part of God's ministry of reconciliation, he's given to you. And, and what do we say to them? Be reconciled to God. Not make yourself right enough so that God will accept you, but he's, he's, he, he's provided reconciliation for sinners. Be reconciled to God. It's beautiful. Well, this is fun. It should make life less uh, precarious. I can't come up quite with the right word, but just you know how some people are um, constantly trying to find something to uh, make their life, make them matter. But Mm -hmm. I mean, we have peace with God at the end of the day when it's all 
said and done, we're going to stand before God yeah. and have peace with him. So yeah. we can just chill out a little bit. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and maybe that, yes, yeah, we can chill, right? Like, like, like we don't have to, to repeat you, we don't have to find meaning outside of relationship with God, which is what we were created for and what we'll be doing f- for eternity. So uh, to know that that uh, favor is always going to, 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 to be there. Yeah, I like as you say that, because that makes even more of, of reconciliation as being the purpose, not just of redemption, but, 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 but of creation too, right? It is uh, eternal fellowship with God. I like it. Yeah, Josh. Thanks, John. You're awesome. So along the lines of what you just said, um, just looking at, at Colossians 1 uh, that you read that um, uh, we who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Uh, Paul then tells us in order to um, present you holy and blameless and above reproach before mm. him. So I know uh, having been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, I will one day be holy blameless and above reproach before God. Yeah. And and that was God's reason for reconciling me. So I, I just like, that's that delights my heart. Mm, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very sweet. Yes, because uh, God's children um, uh, worry about our displeasing, right? And we don't want to be displeasing. And so to know, because we are reconciled, we want to please him. And that is going to be exactly where we'll be for eternity. That's, that's great. This is way better list than uh, I had. So this is the benefit of us getting to speak into one another's life. It's neat too. We have peace with 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 one another. And Ephesians talks about that, uh, even as we as a very diverse body uh, are, are, are here unified. Um, that is because of God's reconciling us to himself. Um, but as he reconciles us to himself, he takes down that wall facility, which also uh, divided Jew and Gentile, but opens up so that we can, uh, per, 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 so that we can participate in, uh, in being one new man. Uh, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Uh, so we're fellow citizens with the saints. So that's incredible that we get to be brought in to the blessing that, that, that Israel was going to, to, to receive. But we're brought in as a diverse group. Are there other thoughts about that? So we've kind of blended some into uh, re- re- results, but also responses. Are there any ways that we could respond to, to a reconciliation we haven't already talked about? What should our response be? Or what do you want your response to be? Yeah, Josh. Well, I was it's just thinking if you had a nuclear bomb like you aimed at your head mm-hmm. or like a missile that was just like aimed at your head your whole life and then all of a sudden you were reconciled and you didn't have that yeah. nuclear bomb over your head about to explode, I think your response would it's kind of obvious, like celebration and yeah. like joy. And if you have peace with God, you have peace. Yeah. I mean, all the other stuff is little. 
yeah. little things, little bumps. But I mean, peace with God means you have peace. Right. Yeah. Oh. Oh, great. Yeah. And uh, that is what what Romans five eleven says. And I, and I know I've already read that. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So that uh, uh, bomb was consumed by Him. Yeah. Rejoicing. Yeah. Uh, oh, not Ed. Oh, hi, Jesse. You had also mentioned Second uh, Corinthians five, uh-huh. um, and just that we are now free to abandon our own kingdom um, and work for as His ambassadors for His mm. kingdom. Yeah, oh, so great. there's a lot of freedom in not having to mm. get our own way anymore. Yeah. Oh. Oh, great. Uh, very cool. Yeah, free freedom to not get our way. Yeah, that's 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 good one to think about. I mean, it is worth repeating again and again to our hearts that God is no longer angry, right? He is not angry. Um, we so quickly fall. <laughs> or at least I do, I don't know about you, so quickly fall to think that I am the object of his displeasure. He is angry with me. That's why I need this doctrine, and we're going to need it again every day, or at least many of us. Francis? I was thinking about Ephesians 4, being eager to maintain the unity of this, the Spirit, yeah. and how, just like Josh is talking about, like this, this bomb has been lifted from our heads. It's been lifted from all of our heads, and so we can be loud about the gospel, about yeah. the hope that we have, and we could pay attention to the, the big things mm. in life and kind of put the small things away and just uh, just be celebrating about this this uh, this great hope that we have. In, in oh, Christ. great! Oh, cool! Well, and, and and how unifying as you say that. Uh, I mean, the more we talk, the happier I get. Um, because we do have this message, it's God's message of be reconciled to God. That's a wonderful message. And, uh, and so what a joy that we get to, to, to be unified, to get together with that. If you think about it, um, um, reconciliation is really one of the things we can celebrate uh, uh, at the Lord's Supper, right? When we remember what Christ has done, we are enjoying fellowship with the Father and with one another through his Son. And it's why we get to enjoy a meal afterwards, Right? Um, so, so that, so that Lord's Supper really is a fellowship feast, right? We have, there is no beef between God and us. It is over. It's done. And we get to eat, in a sense, this, this meal in his presence. It's beautiful. Um, last one I'm going to say here is we, we arrest too, Right? When, when knowing that reconciliation is finished, we get to uh, uh, rest. And so I've got one quote to, to finish our time. I thank you all for, 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 for sharing. It was a real joy, um, really. Um, this a quote here by uh, Michael Barrett. Um, In his grace, God took care of everything and anything that had to be done to make peace. This is good ground, therefore, for our confidence and enjoyment. We ought to be sure that if God has taken the initiative and has set the terms of peace, he will be satisfied with his own terms. And so there is room there for rest and joy and 
a multitude of other blessings, including our embracing the ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation he's given. If you have any questions, would love to uh, 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 chat more. Lord willing, next week we'll talk about sanctification being in Christ. So let's pray. Oh, Father, I am so thankful um, that, that uh, you have been so gracious and that you're, it was in your heart uh, to take us, brothers and sisters, and you chose us in Christ. You chose us to be conformed uh, to his image. You chose us to spend eternity in your presence, the eternal objects of your favor, um, that there would be no wrath for us because our sin was imputed to Christ. And we thank you that he uh, became uh, sin in our place so that we might become uh, your righteousness. And so thank you for how this reconciliation is tied to our justification. And, uh, and Lord, just we look forward to an eternity with you in your presence. But thank you, Father, that that eternity um, is it started. Lord, we have that favor now. And so please, Lord, help us to do good ministry uh, to one another this day, um, but in this upcoming week, Lord, that we would take this, this, this message of reconciliation, that we would be get, needing it deep into our hearts like, uh, like, like, like leaven being kneaded into dough, Lord, that, 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 that it would be deep in our hearts, Lord, that our hearts would, would rise with rejoicing to you and that, that we would uh, be a minister of that to one another and, uh, and to a lost world. So please, Father, I ask you that each of us would be willing in this week uh, to tell this, this good news. And Father, I ask on behalf of my brothers and sisters the same thing for myself, that you would give us opportunity to tell about this, this, this ministry of, uh, of uh, reconciliation, Lord. Um, thank you so much. You're so gracious. Uh, th- thank you for bringing us together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.